Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. The words of God are like well-driven nails. Have you ever seen a carpenter put a nail there? One, one whack, boom, that baby goes in. They penetrate the heart of lost man. Often people come and say, you're talking right to me. I say, well, not me, it's God. Or sometimes people get invited to church and they think that the people that invited them talked to the preacher before they came so they can know. That's not it. Well-driven nail, whack, one whack. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been noted that the Internet has been the one and only significant advancement in mass communication since the printing press, radio, and television. But when it comes to the most effective communication, Isaiah 55 promises this simple truth. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And coming up, Pastor Xavier turns to the book of Ecclesiastes for Solomon's description for God's method of delivering the good news of the gospel, the effective and wise preacher. Let's listen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9 through 14. Solomon has come to the end of his book, his experiment to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun by man in order to teach that the things that man promises do not bring satisfaction and fulfillment in life. That really they make life pretty empty. All the claims of man promise so much more than they can deliver and more than they do deliver. He has searched high and low through science, pleasure, wine, building feats, women, money, morality. They've all come short. Now we've said that there's nothing wrong in and of themselves, but when they are sought as a priority of life apart from God, that's where emptiness comes in. We need to understand that lest we be accused of um, being so extreme that we partake of nothing in this world. No. But of themselves, they do not satisfy. Therefore, Solomon has warned the young person to remember his and her creator in the days of their youth, lest they come to old age without knowing God and spend it in bitter frustration and perish eternally. The preacher Solomon closes the book with the purpose of writing the book of Ecclesiastes. And it is threefold. And it's found through verses 9 through 14. Let me read for you. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, 
including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. The very purpose of the book that is obvious that life is vanity, emptiness in any experience apart from God. But here at the end, he gives us three things that are very specifically for the purpose of the book. First, to teach God's word, verse 9 and 10. Secondly, to teach God's word effectively, verses 11 and 12. And thirdly, to teach the duty of man regarding God's word, verses 13 and 14. Let's begin with the purpose of the preacher to teach God's word, verses 9 and 10. Notice first, the teaching of God's word is a mark of wisdom. If you teach God's word, you are very wise. Any person who teaches God's word on any level is a wise person. They know that without God's word, they will get in trouble. Without God's word, they have no true leading. Solomon had been known for his wisdom when he walked with God, and he was sought out by all. We've looked at the record in 1 Kings 4, verse 29 on down to 33. Solomon's uh, wisdom uh, was exceedingly great in understanding, largeness of heart like the sands of the seashore, and it was given to him by God. Moses could not enter the promised land because he went out and misrepresented God. The people were thirsty. God says, give them water. He went out and said, what must I do, you rebellious people? Strike this rock to give you drink? Now, Moses communicated that God was angry. He was not. So God says, Mo, come here. <laughs> what did I tell you? Well, Lord, you know, he's thinking people. You can't go into the land. Too often, teachers and preachers misrepresent God and communicate to the people a God that is not a biblical God, a genie God, an angry God. You need to represent God in the context. When God is angry, the scriptures will be sufficient. <laughs> you won't have to help him out. But when God is gracious, stay out of the way. Solomon's wisdom excelled all the wisdom of the men of the east and Egypt and all came to hear him. Remember uh, the queen of Sheba? She came and she saw and heard Solomon. She says, it was a true report, which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and I saw it with my own eyes. And indeed, half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame of which I have heard. Happy are you and your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. 1 Kings 10, 6-9. Wow. You see, if you're being an instrument of God, then people are going to say, you know, the Lord sure is good. And when they say, you know, I, I really want to tell you, you really minister unto me and I really appreciate what you're doing, and you understand that. You're a vessel, fine. But the glory goes to God. Absolutely. Solomon had been led astray from the Lord by his foreign wives, 1 Kings 11, 1 through 4 says. He became unequally yoked. He loved many foreign women and daughters of Pharaoh and Moabites and Ammonites, Edites and Sedites and Hittites and all those ites and 
and he got carried away. And they, um, they stole his heart from God. And he clung and loved the women and their gods. He multiplied to himself 700 wives, 300 concubines. That's enough to make somebody turn away from something. And yet, he was warned. Totally warned. Now Solomon has returned to God. And once again, he is wise. Wise only when you walk with God. You see? Only time. The preacher is the one who gathers the assembly to teach. This is Solomon. That word for preacher is found in chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, verse 12, chapter 7, verse 28, verse 9, verse 10. He's the preacher. He's the assembler. He's the instructor. The preacher Solomon has contrasted the wise to the fool throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you've read his book of Proverbs, that is the contrast. The wise and the fool. In the first nine chapters of Proverbs, you have wisdom personified as a woman, and she's running through the streets, calling upon the young man, use me, call upon me, I will lead you through life, but you reject me, so one day you will call me, and I will laugh at you, and calamity will come upon you. The preacher, his wisdom, had to do with life and relationship to his creator. That's wisdom. You know, people may look upon you and say, you know, you've really been a wise businessman. You've made a lot of money. They may say, you know, you've, you've done real well in education and you've really helped many out. But if you're not wise in God and living life out, then you have really failed in life. Because when you die, they'll bury nothing with you. Not even your shoes. It'll all be meaningless. Notice, secondly, the teaching of God's Word is to impart spiritual knowledge. It's very simple. The knowledge that Solomon is teaching is God's, not man's. The individuals that he taught were who? The people of God, the community of God's redeemed, Israel. God says, you only alone have I known of all the people of the earth. He speaks to him in Amos. Then he speaks to him in Hosea about that idolatrous and, and, and adulterous relationship. Even as a wife would love to say, only you know me, husband, in an intimate way. No other man does. No one else has had the privilege. I've let no one else. You are the only one. That's what God told Israel. You are the only ones above all the earth. No one else. And yet you've committed adultery on me. The knowledge would inform them about the mind and the will of God in order to enjoy life. I reject the, um, the observation and conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes that, that, that Solomon is real pessimistic and, and he's just kind of a schizo in here. No. He's giving us the perspective of a man apart from God and a testimony of his own life. And the bottom line is all these things are vain. And the bottom line is you better worship God. Very simple, very clear, very straightforward. Notice thirdly, in verse 9, the end of it, in verse 10, the teaching of God's word is done through a variety of ways. By Proverbs, which are pondered and sought out. 
The word ponder means to weigh, to test, to prove or consider. And it is found only this time here in the Old Testament. Nowhere else this word. The phrase sought out means to investigate, to examine thoroughly, to explore. So both words build upon another and intensify the, the discipline, the methodology, and the uh, diligence and the drive. The word is used for God in search of man's heart in Jeremiah 17.10. God only knows the heart and is searched out thoroughly and found out. But notice also by seeking to find acceptable words. And the word means pleasant, delightful, the word acceptable. Those words which would communicate and make clear the intent and purpose of the book and bring glory to God and gain to man. The word and phrases are many that are key to the book. We've gone over some of them. Let me give you some of them briefly. The word vanity, which means breath or vapor. It appears 71 times in the Old Testament, and 38 of those times is in Ecclesiastes, a key word. The word is used by Solomon to mean that which is unsatisfying or a waste of time or frustrating, absurd, useless, of no profit. It depends on the context. Other expressions that are equivalent to that are grasping for the wind. We've read that over how many? Seven times. Can't get a hold of it. Want it? Can't get it. The word profit, which means advantage or benefit with a sense of goal, appears six times, a key word. The word see, how many times? Did you count them? 46 times. See, see, what does it mean? It means pay attention, observe, take notice, obey, mark it well. 46 times. The word wisdom is mentioned 29 times, and the phrase under the sun appears 25 times, describing life lived on earth apart from God. Another phrase was under heaven, right? It's used synonymous with it. And how about the fear of God? It appears six times. Words are powerful and valuable objects of life, and they can either be used for good or for people's destruction. One of the two. We have to choose them well. He's already told us that before in a different context. But notice thirdly also he says that by writing what is upright. Not only by proverbs and pondering and seeking out, but he says by writing what is upright, which means the right straight words, truth. That which is beneficial. That which is of integrity, if you will. That which is genuine. That which is directly from God. And again, the idea being honorable, moral, or ethical in terms of integrity. But notice also that is not sufficient, it says, by teaching words of truth. And he's, and he's building one upon another to, to demonstrate what is contained in this book. Not speculation. Not some guy who's a pessimist. The word truth means reliableness and correct in nature. The truth is... In regards to the things of God, the things of man, the things of life, the things of death. Straightforward. One of the greatest wonders of the present day has been the marvelous manner in which Helen Keller, the blind deaf girl, had been rendered able to take her place in classes 
in Radcliffe College at Harvard University and to win a distinguished place for scholarship. This had been possible only through the faithful ministration of her teacher, Miss Sullivan. The teacher, by patient persistency, using all sorts of objects with infinite pain, taught the little girl the sign language to touch, and when once communication with the outside world was thus established, education proceeded. One teacher. What a greater wonder when one teaches God's Word to a person. Incredible. The emphasis on teaching in the Scriptures is too numerous to miss from the old all the way to the new. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, it begins with the children. Teach them when you're rising up, when you're laying down. Put the things in your walls of your house, your doors, everything. Joshua 1, 8, meditate upon the word day and night. In Acts 20, 27, Paul says, I have not shunned you to declare the full counsel of God. In 1 Timothy 1, 3, what does Paul tell Timothy? Let no one else teach any other doctrine. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, he says, Timothy, teach others so they can teach others what has been given to you. In 1 Timothy 2, 15, he says that you and I are to be diligent to study yourselves, to be approved, a workmanship rightly dividing the word of truth. And then in Titus 2, 1, he says, teach good doctrine. Just a few of the thousands. The teaching of God's word is not always the priority in many churches, but rather programs and activities. They've got dinner here, and they've got gatherings for this, and they've got this bingo here, and bingo there, and this, that. And uh, the word of God is not taught. Now, I believe that our kids should have some program. They should do some camping stuff. They should do some mission. All that activity is fine, but they surge and they come out from the Word. They do not replace the Word. We're not here to do anything but to get fed and to grow, develop, and mature and be occupying in the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. The teaching of God's Word is to impart accurate information about God and man so as to not be deceived or destroyed. You remember Hosea 4, 6? He says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Do you know that some of the most malnourished people are people who work in food services because they eat all the wrong things? You can be going to a church that teaches you the Word of God and you're spiritually anemic because you won't feed yourself and you won't apply to life what's being taught to you. So because you go to a church that teaches the Word doesn't mean that you're healthy. We hope you are. I pray you are. But there's no guarantee. And so the purpose of the preacher was to teach God's Word. That's the first thing, to teach God's Word. That's why he wrote this book. Secondly, he says that the purpose of the preacher was to teach God's Word effectively in verse 11. The purpose of the preacher was to teach God's word effectively in order to bring God's people to do the will of God. Listen to the phrase, the words of the wise are like goads. You say, what the heck are goads? The wise, in this case, is Solomon, the preacher, whose words are like goads, which were sharp nails that were used for the ox when they would kick their hind legs in rebellion to plowing. 
And so every time the ox would kick back to the farmer, there would be a sharp nail and he would hit it and it would bring pain on him. The pain would teach him that self-inflicted pain was not beneficial. Even an ox, even a dumb ox knows that, people. We seem to have a hard time learning that. This method would bring the ox under submission to the farmer to do his will. The benefit would be twofold. The ox would be hurt but cared for. Secondly, the farmer would get his fields plowed. Now, the words of God are like goads to you and myself. They bring pain to our life if we are rebellious and fight against God. The sooner we learn that obedience and submission will only bring God's care for us, the better off we will be. The will of God gets done, and our ear is tuned to the voice of God, and we are transformed from glory to glory even by the Spirit of God. God's words are goals that keep the believer on track and in step with God through conviction, chastening, and consequences. So next time somebody calls you a dumb ox, it's really a compliment. They learn real fast. Notice, secondly, that the purpose of the preacher was to teach God's word effectively in order to bring stability in God's people's lives. Stability. Listen to the phrase. And the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails. The scholar is the master of assemblies. That's the word here. In this case, it's Solomon the preacher. Nails are straight pieces of metal with a head on one side and a point on the other. I'm sure you're all familiar with them. And whatever surface they are hammered into, they penetrate. Nails are used to build houses, shelves, cabinets, whatever. Nails are used to hang pictures. Nails, by their very nature, tie things together, and they make them one, resulting in strength and stability. The words of God are like well-driven nails. Have you ever seen a carpenter? Put a nail there, one, one whack, choom, that baby goes in. Not like you and I, bent it, turns it back, and then we hit our thumb and we're running around, we come back. No, well-driven nail, whack, that sucker goes in there. That wood is firm, doesn't even budge, stable, strong. They penetrate the heart of lost man, the well-driven nails of God's word, and they save him. Often people come and say, you know, you, know, you were talking right to me. I said, well, not me, it's God. Or sometimes people get mad and they get invited to church and they think that the people that invited them talked to the preacher before they came so they can know. That's not it. Well-driven nail, whack, one whack. Oh, okay, it happens. They penetrate the heart of the believer to bring conviction to his life. Well-driven nail, whack, great. The strength and life of the believer is so that he might stand and end up standing after the warfare. Strong. The Word of God has penetrated his heart. The words that are well-driven nails develop perseverance through the storms of life and the fiery trials that test our life, bringing about hope 
confidence, encouragement, and ultimate victory. Pastor Xavier Reese has been drawing today's penetrating simple truths from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 as our study series nears its end. And we've left just enough time to let you know how you can obtain your own copy of this message titled, The Wise Preacher. And by the way, there's much more to come next time, but we'll combine everything Pastor Xavier has planned to share on our next broadcast on one single CD. We just ask that you send along $4 to help cover the costs. The title, once again, is The Wise Preacher. You can request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. Solomon said, Much study is wearisome, but the Word of God is like a well-driven nail. Pastor Xavier Reese has more simple truths from the wise preacher Solomon next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com